Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we are talking about nurture and the card. The goddess has her arms around herself, giving herself a big hug. And she's got the little deer as her head on her hip. The card reads, nurture means to provide true nourishment for our body, minds, and souls. When we become more present and aware of our needs, it is easier to define what feels good to our bodies and selves and what is nourishing to us. When we stop hating ourselves and start practicing loving kindness, it is easier to take care of ourselves in nurturing ways. So for me, this card really is about what really is taking care of yourself. What does that mean? Does that mean, uh, yeah, I took a shower and I have the basic needs covered and stuff, but nurturing means to really take care of my soul, take care of my emotional self and my soul self and every part of my body self. And that is like college entry. Instead of just the other parts is just trying to learn how to live in a body. And this one is then how to take care of the body, how to take care of yourself as a human, which I think is different than what I thought about when I was little. I didn't really know nurturing. I didn't know what that even meant or what that would mean at all. So I'm so pleased to talk to our good friend Meg and we're going to talk about the nurture card but I want to say really quickly that she was one of the first peer educators that we had when we started our program probably came in about the first year or so and has continued to be such a good example for young girls, even as she has grown up. This is the 20th anniversary of our book, Carol's and My Book, Over It. And uh, it's a teen's book about how to get over an eating disorder and body hatred and how to get on with your life and how to be nurturing to yourself. And she really represents that just in her life. And I feel like that was one of a beautiful thing I saw her unfold is how to get over it, how to not be stuck in that place that was just horrible. And for me, I could have died from my eating disorder many times. And to step into true recovery saved my life. And I got to see that happen with Meg. So I'm really happy to have her here and I'll let her introduce herself, tell us what she's doing these days and we'll talk about nurture. 
That was like the best introduction, Lorley. <laughs> you. Yeah, professionally now, I'm the Southern California Regional Program Manager for Bring Change to Mind, which is a national nonprofit focusing on decreasing stigma surrounding mental illness. Could and it it's be a better ironic. job for you? I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's wild because I feel like it's an extension actually of the work I did at Beyond Hunger, like for real. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, it's cool because our high school program is similar, like in the way that it's peer-led, it's peers talking to peers. So yeah, I work for the high school program and we have peer-led mental health clubs in high schools. And then I also just started my own yoga business and it's called Heartlines Yoga and it's yoga geared specifically to teens, which is really fun. And then over the summers, something that has really nurtured me in this kind of later phase of recovery. In the summers, I'm a staff member at the American School in Switzerland, so which great. is like my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> yes. And so what does your job, so you're in charge of getting peer educators to come and talk to other peers? Is that? No. So there are clubs in the high schools. So these clubs, they really function like any other club does. So how to get a club started essentially is that three to five kids are interested in getting this club up and running and then they get an advisor. But from there, the, the clubs are education and advocacy based and then their events and activities driven. So throughout the school year, the club is putting on events, activities, they're doing presentations. Most clubs typically meet weekly. Sometimes they meet every other week. So yeah, they're really consistent and the students are looking at the issues that are affecting their peers on campus and really like bringing attention to them. That is so great. I'm so glad you're doing that. Yeah, it's really cool. Has it gone national yet or is it? Oh yeah, we have grown immensely. Let's see. So it was founded by the actress Glenn Close and her family. So they founded it in 2010. They did PSAs at the beginning, but then the high school program started in 2015 and we just had 25 clubs the first year in the Bay Area. Like we were so small, but now we have regions. So that's the model that we go by. So there's about like 55 schools in each region. So we have Northern California, we have Southern California, we have Arizona, we have New York City, we have the Northeast, we have Indiana, and then we have some clubs started here and there throughout the U.S. So we have like 400 clubs and we're growing. (laughs) That is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And so good that an actress, you know, somebody in the limelight decided to take this on as her issue too. And to do something about it. How beautiful yeah. is that? Mental illness really impacted her family. So her nephew, Kaylin, got diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and went to treatment. And then in the process of him getting treatment, his mom, Jessie, who is Glenn's sister, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So between the two of them, they struggled a lot. And so one day, Jessie came to Glenn and she asked her if she would be able to use her celebrity status to champion this cause. Uh, So they did, which is great. So brave, beautiful. And then, so what's up with your yoga? So you're doing it for teenagers. How wonderful is that? Yeah, I'm so stoked. I did my my yoga teacher <laughs> training in 2017. So it was so long ago. And I, I was younger. I think, I don't know, I was like 23 or something when I did it. And I, I got pretty overwhelmed, to be honest, when I did it, because I learned a lot. But I was also like, oh my gosh, like, it made me realize how much I didn't know about yoga and how much you can hurt people's bodies as a yoga teacher. I know, so it's I, true. I, 
I was like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> so yeah, I think everything worked out because during the pandemic, I took an online kids yoga teacher training that, that somebody in my teacher training had taken. And it was very specifically for kids. And it was really fun because you sing songs and you play games. <laughs> and I was like, I love this. But then I did a teen training after that. And when I did that, I was like, oh, like this is my niche. This, this is it. Yeah, this is what I like. So yeah, now I'm doing like the full certification to become a certified children's yoga teacher. Beautiful. I will come to a teen class, even though I'm not a teen, but I will still I come. So many people have been asking me that. I'm like, I think I'll just make a teen class for like for adults because adults need to be playful too. Yes. Of course. Yeah. I mean, even like this summer when I was teaching at in Switzerland, I was teaching teens, but I was actually incorporating some elements from the kids yoga. And like the teens had fun. They were just like laughing away. I love <laughs> it. it. I love yeah. it so much. And also, I don't know about you, but I've been in yoga for a long time myself. But I noticed that unless your teacher is a really good role model, it'll become about what you look like doing yoga instead of how you feel doing yoga. And I would hope that I would see these young teenagers come into yoga and I was, please don't take this on. This is an adult bull thing that we do. It's just don't take this on. You know, this is about, yoga is so much more about looking good when you're naked, which is one of the yoga <laughs> mottos, uh -huh. you know, it's horrible. Anyway, so I'm so glad that you're doing that, that you're teaching that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think um, with yoga, it for sure depends on the teachers you're going to and like the places. And I could just be steeped in like the good part of yoga, but I feel like there's been a little bit more of a shift away from that, like the fitness culture and yoga. Yeah, I think there has. And I think this is, again, one of the things that having a worldwide pandemic did is that we had to stay inside and learn our own yoga on our own mat in our own room. And maybe that got to change a little bit of that. And you could definitely if you didn't like that yoga teacher that you were watching on Zoom, there was a thousand more that you could just flip through until you found somebody. And I think teenagers too, this new generation excites me. Like yeah. they're even different than like my generation, which is not that long ago, but they're very with it. <laughs> like with social justice and like when things are off, like they just don't take BS as much. Mm -mm. They are not willing to bow down. What we, or me, my generation, we just, you know, like the card nurture, you know, like I don't even know that I even knew what that word meant. I mean, it didn't work in my life. I never knew I should nurture myself. I was here to serve you, whatever. I was here to make you happy, not to make me happy. That was selfish. And we have shifted that. No, you know, everybody gets to be happy and have all their feelings too. So tell me a little bit about how you're doing this in your life. How are you nurturing yourself in your life these days? Yeah, I really actually like what you said at the beginning that nurturing is, well, I think you said intro to college of recovery or something, <laughs> but it does. I think I've been reflecting a lot on 
I think in general, like the stages of recovery. And I think when I was younger, I knew it was going to be long, but I thought it was going to be shorter. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to be so long. Right. But I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I just realized there's different phases and it's not just phases of recovery though. It's like phases of life too. And like, I think because yes, I had an eating disorder, like it's always a little bit intertwined in recovery with me, but it's more so like generally even the phases of life and yeah, I think I'm like in this phase of actually beginning to learn how to nurture myself. And it's been interesting and like exciting and fun. I think nurture and nurturing is like a next level because there's certain things like in early recovery, you just have to do things. Yeah. You just have to live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think for me, nurturing came in when I began to learn, like I couldn't keep white knuckling through things. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, you couldn't keep making yourself be recovering. (laughs) You just had to step into, I'm recovered, you know? Yeah, because I was very good at white knuckling. I mean, you can't, if you're white knuckling, it's not even really a space to be in, <laughs> like not a whole space to be in, but you're not like centered. You're not at peace with yourself. It sounds yeah. like, yeah. And to me, that's what's so great about getting recovery from an eating disorder at a young age. Like you were pretty young when you started on the path. It will grow with you as you mature. It will mature as well, your recovery. Whereas like if you go into recovery, I mean, whenever you get there is going to be great. But if you're 30 and 40 and 50, you're like trying to learn things that would have been easier to learn when you were 16 (laughs) and developmentally, (laughs) you know, we're having to learn things that, again, it's sort of like the word nurture like that. I just knew at some point sort of stop the action of the eating disorder, but the thoughts and the taking care of myself on a deeper level took a long time. Yes. Okay. So two things on this topic, one is the behaviors and the other is the body image stuff just to say, so I don't forget, but like, I remember, so the last time I I went to treatment, I was in college and I do remember because there was a period of time where I was able to stop the behaviors, but again, like I was white knuckling it, but I'm just like, I stopped it and then I relapsed. And so when I came in, because it it was a pretty severe relapse in a very short period of time. And so when I went in, they were just kind of like, you know, I was telling them about my life, everything I did. And they're like looking at me like, what happened? And I was like, what do you mean what happened? Like I'm here. (laughs) I circled back. (laughs) Yeah. My therapist at the time, she said something so good. And it was such like a realization for me because up to that point, I hadn't really gotten treatment. Like the treatment I had in high school was pretty awful. (laughs) Just like not like actual treatment. All pieced Um, together. Yeah. And so my therapist at the time, she was saying, she's like, you know, it's kind of like you were a dry drunk, like you fix the behaviors, like the thoughts and everything were still the same. And I was like, yes, that is it. (laughs) That is exactly it. Right. But then also what you were saying earlier about like starting the journey at at certain periods of time and, and certain things becoming easier to learn because I did struggle a little bit longer even after Beyond Hunger. But the thing is like, 
while I was doing Beyond Hunger, I was like kind of doing well in recovery. Like I, w- I wasn't recovered, but like I was- You're on um, the road. Yeah. And um, part of the Beyond Hunger peer education presentation has the body image piece in it. And we show the, well, I don't know if you still do this, but back then we would show the Dove like PSA with the retouching and all of that stuff. And I remember it being mind-blowing to me because at that time, like nobody was talking about stuff like that. So to me, I didn't hear about it. I'm part of it, you know, because social media wasn't even a thing back then. Really. <laughs> so like all this information wasn't out there. It wasn't. Um, but yeah, that really changed my perception on a lot of body image stuff. And it was interesting because like the rest of my recovery, even when I was struggling, like, yes, there was a little bit of body image stuff, but from that point on, the body image stuff wasn't really like the main part of my struggle anymore. Was the emotional? Yeah. And a lot of that healing part of at least that part of the eating disorder was because of being a a peer educator. Right. And getting information when you were young about this is nowhereville. And you're right. The social media is so much worse right now than it. I couldn't imagine that it could get worse. And yet then it did. And it continues to. It's a double-edged sword because it is worse. And I'm so glad it wasn't like that when I was in high school. And what I was saying earlier, how the kids are so much, I hate the term woke, but I don't know what else to use right now. (laughs) Knowledgeable, woke, whatever. They're more conscious of it. Yeah. And they are getting this information on social media. That's BS. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm. When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call the bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Yeah, they're getting the backlash to it, too. They're getting the information from the companies that want them to have this mindset, if you will. And they're also getting, wait a minute, that's not really true. Don't even listen to that. That's, you know, so thank goodness there's another voice out there. Yeah, which I'm sure is confusing because they're also still like face tuning themselves on apps and stuff. There's everything. (laughs) I know. Well, I talk about when I go to to classrooms, we've not done them justice, the youth. We've given them these things that we've made up ourselves as adults and then handed it to them and not told them that don't do this for real. Sort of like I have a friend who is a plastic surgeon, works a lot on hands and on cliff palettes. And he says to me, yeah, this young woman came in and she had a picture of what she would like to look like. And it was a bunny person. And she said, he goes, like a filter. Yeah, filter. And and he said, but that's not a human. That's a bunny. And she says, yeah, (laughs) but I'd like to look like this. And he goes, no, you can't. Can I talk to your mom for a minute? Anyway, that's an extreme example of somebody that is so dysmorphic that they don't even want to look like a human anymore. And that lays at the feet of adults. That's adults have done that. They have made that filter and given it to them and not told them this is is not real. 
don't do this. Yeah. I have heard that there's a high rise of plastic surgery and like surrounding filter use, like people coming in and basically putting the filter on from Instagram and being like, I want to look like this. I want to look like this or like at that Dove commercial, how she is after Photoshop and everything that happened to her. She's not even the same girl practically anymore that's in that bathing suit. Yeah. I just read this really good book. I think it's called If I Had Your Face. And it takes place in Seoul, South Korea. And there's three or four narratives happening, but they're all friends. And two of the narratives are a lot about plastic surgery in South Korea. And I've known that in Asia, there's a high rate of plastic surgery with eyelids, like the creased eyelids. But in this book, it was like in detail about jaw surgery and like women reshaping and shaving their jaws, but also what it's like to go through that surgery and the impact of it and like the high rates of that jaw surgery in South Korea. So that was so eye-opening to me. And it's very interesting because you think like here in America, we're always like, you know, we have the most messed up plastic surgery culture, but it's not just us. It's not just us. I mean, there's other countries, you know, Brazil, everybody has to have this perfect butt and they inject all kinds of stuff in themselves and people die from different things like that. And how far away we've gotten from just the most basic, like nurturing, taking care of ourselves. And it's turned into, when I was a girl, everybody got a nose job or they got their ears pinned. Or then when I was in my 20s or so, you had to be really skinny, but had these big breasts. So everybody got breast implants. So it's been around for a long time, (laughs) is what I'm saying. But What's great is that you're one of the people out there working with this. This is not a well thing that we do in the culture that we live in. It's not, you know, we're not well when we do this to ourselves or to each other. And it comes from such dislike of the self. And what would that mean to change that? So I have hope for because I also work with teenagers and I have hope because they're a lot of times they know that this is They've never heard this before. As soon as I say it, they're like, yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think too, with a lot of the activism that's going on now, there's a lot of things, but it's general activism against the political system of all the different forms. And one thing, I think that maybe a little bit got implanted with me actually in Beyond Hunger, but it's gotten stronger throughout the years even in my own personal activism is just like, you know, it's the beauty industry and like overall capitalism that is like keeping us stuck in this like self-hatred. So it's like, definitely. If you want to fight the system, like love yourself. That is the biggest fight of all, isn't it? Like, I'm not going (laughs) to bow down. I'm not going to do a diet. If you want to wear, I tell girls, you know, if you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. If you don't, don't, you know, do whatever feels good for you. You know what, Lorley, there was, because sometimes when I was younger, I got a little bit confused about that though, because I think whenever you're learning something, you tend to sway to different sides. And I do remember in a peer education meeting, I had prom and, you know, I'm like 17 or 18 or whatever. And so like everybody was like going to the tanning beds and getting tan. And so I did it, but I literally had this like internal, like dread, like I felt so bad that I did that. And I remember coming to a peer education meeting and I was like, guys, I went to a tanning bed. (laughs) 
And Alexa just looked at me and she was like, Meg, it's okay okay to feel pretty if you want to. (laughs) It's okay to go to a tanning bed. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, it doesn't have to be black and white. If wearing makeup brings you joy, like it is an art. If you love putting on makeup, that's great. It's I think where it crosses the line is if you feel like you have to wear makeup and if you don't wear makeup, you're not pretty. Yeah. Like the have to's like you have to be this certain size and you have to look this certain way and you have to act this certain way. What are we going to do about that? You know, mostly we're either going to comply and be unhappy or we're going to rebel and be unhappy. (laughs) So might as well find out what you like. But it's a process. And as we grow and change from being little to teenagers to 20s and 30s and 40s and on up, there's always a new thing to learn about. Oh, I have to now accept this wrinkle or this pain. I know your dad is ill. There's a whole acceptance that he's going to have about himself that I don't think that we're always prepared for. No, transitions and changes are hard. They are. And you're going through one now because he's ill and you've gone through a huge change yourself. Here you are with him doing, helping him. That's the dad has become your child in a way that you're there to take care of. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 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 ways I'm I am happy about because it's better than him being gone. <laughs> exactly. He he has kept his humor, so that's why it has been funny. <laughs> it's good. That's good. Yeah. Hopefully that stays. That takes us a long way. Yeah, it does. Can you read this last part of the card? Today, I will list 10 ways of nurturing my body, mind, and soul in a way that truly nourishes me. I will try at least one of these ways a day and then notice how I feel. Great. So it's an action step of 10 ways to nurture our body, mind, and soul. So I would say, number one, get off your own case. Stop trying to make yourself something you're not. But I really love having you here. And I am so grateful to you for all the years of support that you've given to me personally and to Beyond Hunger. So I'm really, really grateful for that. I mean, I can't leave this meeting without saying Beyond Hunger is probably like the biggest thing that saved me. Oh, I mean, I'm very grateful for Beyond Hunger, but also grateful that I get to keep in touch. Oh, I will never let you go, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's also very special to know that like you've seen me from a teenager to an adult now. It's cool. And I've just seen all your hair changing colors. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But you know, to for you, you are still that same spirit that you've had of that can-do gal. You still have that. And uh, that was probably what kept you alive until you got recovery. And then that kept you alive. But yeah, your spirit is just huge. And I hope you give yourself credit for nurturing that along the way. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So thank you so much. And thank you for calling in all the way from England. Are you in London? I am in a very small town called Weymouth. It's in Dorset. Nice. Very sweet. Thank you so much for, I know it's in the middle of the night there. It's the middle of the day here, but please let me know how everybody's doing. Thanks, Loralee. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening and be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. 
Thanks.